Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Lace. Today we're continuing our cinematic classic rewind this week we're finishing up the franchise the mighty ducks reviewing mighty ducks 3 we'd like to thank our sponsor poddex sponsoring this episode visit poddex.com and use code cinema gold for 10 percent off your order so let's get to it where to start with this movie hmm let's go with this film was not as bad as i remember it unfortunately doesn't mean it's good either to describe it in one sentence, I'd say it was a weak concept pushed forward despite missing and unmotivated stars and was not well executed. But that is far from telling the whole story. So let's dig in a little deeper. The first Mighty Ducks movie was an underdog tale about a team of misfits with no money and bad attitudes against a team of bigger kids who were willing to play dirty. The second Mighty Ducks movie was a tale of bad attitudes, overconfidence, and an inability to get along with each other that could have prevented them from beating their enemies. A powerhouse Iceland hockey team of bigger kids who were willing to play dirty. The third movie is a bunch about a bunch of teenagers with bad attitudes whining because they don't want things to change. And their opponent is 
the varsity team of bigger kids who are willing to play dirty. Seeing a pattern? Now the first movie works because it's the first movie. The second movie works because it upped the stakes. They went from their peewee league to a worldwide competition and became concerned about their futures. The third movie lowers the stakes extremely. And the worst part is that they had an element in the movie that could have easily kept those stakes high. With the lowered stake increased teenage angst felt entirely out of place. And now the missing stars. As I noted in last week's review, one of the improvements going from the first to the second was the ditching of the unremarkable characters combined with the addition of several new ones who were far more interesting. This movie removed several characters without adding any new allies to the team. Emilio Estevez may get top billing in this film, but he's only around for 20 minutes of the runtime due to two expositional things and scene and service at Deus Machina. Can never say that right. Was not included in this movie. <clears throat> Jesse Hall, one of the original ducks who made it through the second film, was not included in this movie. That's what I meant to say. And Dean Portman is only present at the beginning of the film to accept the scholarship with everyone else, and at the end of the film to check a couple of guys before getting put in the penalty box. I don't know how much the movie suffered without them, but the movie seemed to suffer from a lack of energy among the cast members who remained. Joshua Jackson, who played Charlie, admitted in interviews that he didn't want to do this movie and used his frustration at playing another kid role to fuel his character's anger in the film. It's not hard to imagine that some of the other actors were ready to move on to other things as well. Even the writer of the first two films was ready to move on. They had to add two more writers to complete the script, which surely didn't help keep the writer writing tight or coherent. Combine a weak concept with a bunch of creators who don't seem like they want to be there, and you're going to get a film that lacks the ability to get a lot of audience members invested. And now, the part where we talk how it was executed poorly. Now is where we come back to how they could have made the film. They had significantly better with only small changes. Eden Hall, the private high school Ducks all earn a scholarship to, is both a hockey and academic powerhouse. This is a massive opportunity for those kids especially because most of them, as we saw in the first film, wouldn't have been able to afford to attend it on their own. That means these scholarships should be a huge deal. In the end, only one of the Ducks expresses any dismay at the thought of losing his scholarship, right up until the Dean announces that they're going to have their scholarships revoked for their poor play. At that point, everyone is upset, but it seems like none of them are concerned with losing their educational and athletic opportunities. They don't even seem afraid that they might get separated from each other. They seem to be upset because the script says they are upset now. <clears throat> this is further compounded by the fact that the school foolishly handed out scholarship awards with terms that would not allow them to withdraw the scholarships without cause. So their attempt to remove the kids' scholarships was entirely pointless and doomed to failure. Any halfway decent lawyer would have been able to fight that in court. The movie tries to get us excited by having Bombay be that halfway decent lawyer. But the whole thing was so brain dead that all I could think about was that it was hard to imagine he still got a valid license to practice law in Minnesota. The movie could have several birds with one stone by having the scholarships tied to the team performance and indicating that if they lost the junior varsity varsity matchup at the end of the semester, they'd get kicked out. Then, instead of having Bombay whisk in and solve everything the day after, realizing there's a problem, they would have had some impetus to improve. The stakes were 
much higher when they played the varsity team. And there would have been more than a few days to get their act together. Instead, we got a pointless B story solved by a character who is barely in the movie minutes after it appears in a way that makes you wonder why they didn't just cut the whole thing. They did try to mix things up a bit by having Charlie and his coach, Coach O'Ryan, butt heads from the start instead of waiting until the movie's final act. The conflict, unfortunately, requires that Charlie acts selfishly and childishly. Two things that had never been flaws of his before, and that Coach O'Ryan pulled what sometime after this movie was made would be called a Severus Snape. I acted like a monster because I was trying to help you, even though no real person acts that way and it made it impossible for you to trust me. He throws a hockey puck so hard early in the movie after the team, and especially Charlie, ignores his coaching that it puts a giant hole on a bulletin board. Violence by adults toward kids, and there were several in his way when he wound up to throw that puck. It's never going to sit well with me, no matter how realistic it might be. I know real coaches get really angry and get violent with their kids. However, unless you're going to flatly condemn that kind of behavior, I don't think it belongs in the movie. The conflict between the two also completely falls apart at the end of the second act. Charlie quits the team in a fit of teenage rage. Bombay appears and shows Charlie that Orion has a daughter who is paralyzed by the car wreck as a child, which causes Charlie to have sympathy for the man. And sure, that sucks for him, but it doesn't really justify his attitude problem prior to this point. He also tells him, I told Coach Orion that you two had a lot to learn from each other. Orion wants Charlie to learn defense, something he'd probably need if he was going to successfully advance his hockey career past high school. But it's unclear what Charlie could or might have taught Coach Orion. The movie hints that Bombay and Han thought Charlie could teach Orion to have fun again, but Charlie doesn't teach him anything. Instead, after Charlie apologizes to the coach and asks him to come back on the team, his entire demeanor changes. He becomes a fun and friendly coach all on his own. He might try to argue that he had a change of heart because of Charlie's apology and improved behavior. But I would remind you that he came into the story with a chip on the shoulder before Charlie or anyone else had a chance to do anything wrong. Pranks are a staple of the series, and the pranks in this movie fall short of those in D2, but are better than those in Mighty Ducks. Unlike the first film, Pranks in this movie at least have a purpose behind impossibly screwing with a random dude no one will ever see again. But the pranks lack the good nature that was present in the second movie. Without that, they weren't very funny and left me wondering where the line would be drawn and how many people would be hurt or expelled for the juvenile shenanigans. Except for when Wayne rode down the Biff Tanner wannabe and hogtied him. That was pretty funny. Another aspect of this movie that seemed to lack energy to the film's detriment was the score. I know I complained about the overuse of Queen hits in the first two flicks, but the original score for both films added both tension and elation in spades at the appropriate moments. Neither of those films is half as good, so good with a score that is even 80% of the quality that we ended up with. I suspect it's a reason for a lot of the nostalgia. The romances were weird and a bit awkward. Luis Mendoza becomes obsessed with a varsity cheating leader to whom he shares only a single sentence finds himself making out with her at the end of the movie. Julie Gaffney gets a peck on the cheek from the opposing goalie, despite only sharing a fraction of a scene earlier in the movie and being mortal enemies the rest of the time. Finally, Charlie falls for a girl who has no interest in him or hockey. The only two things he does care about, there's no reason for him to decide he likes her except that she's attractive, but he still puts on a full pair of press in an attempt to woo her, and it works for some reason. 
There were two aspects of this film that absolutely would not fly today. The first one involves Luis. I missed the setup, but at some point he finds himself crawling in their lunch table, at which the entire cheer squad in their short uniform skirts are sitting. After crawling for a bit, he seems to realize where he is, turns to the camera, and winks. That might be authentic high school behavior, but it doesn't deserve to be glorified in that way. And I think most studios would balk at including it now, even though it was regular fare in the 90s. The other thing that absolutely would not happen now is the use of Native American iconography <clears throat> in the team's mascot. The Eden Hall teams are called the Warriors at the beginning of the film. Their logo is reminiscent of one of the Washington football team had before they were finally pressured into changing their name. And just in case you thought the push to stop appropriating Native Americans are met as mascots started only recently, we found out the team name because Charlie's love interest is seeking petition signatures to change the names because it's offensive. In the end, the team name is changed to Duck for Charlie's bet with the varsity captain and the apparently all-powerful hand of Coach Bombay. But they wouldn't have used that logo in the first place if the movie was made now. Honestly, the movie would have been better if the team had been called the Eden Hall Hawks. It's an offensive mascot, but would have struck an ugly chord in all the ducks and helped justify their reluctance to let go of their duck name and adopt their future. The first movie's moral was something like work hard, play by the rules, and win. The second movie's moral was to play for pride instead of money. This film's moral was uh, refuse to let go of your childhood team name, and your hard-ass high school coach will eventually give in. Also, we now have three movies worth of evidence that none of these kids can play worth crap unless Ducks jerseys. I hope when they become adults like Anaheim Mighty Ducks drafted them all. Does this movie hold up? Mm, I guess. It's not awful, but it doesn't stand up next to the second film. It borrows too many moments and too much nostalgia from both of the early, earlier films. The sheer amount of borrowing sits right on the line between homage and plagiarism and highlights just how much of a cash grab this film was. I'll never be one to complain about actors, directors, writers, and everyone else who works on a movie getting paid. I just prefer it when they get paid to make a movie that exists because there was a story worth telling instead of some producer deciding the name still had enough juice to squeeze something out of it. If they slapped it on some half-hearted effort. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Classic Rewind. Join us next week where we'll review another film from the past. And if you'd like to... If you like what we offer be sure to subscribe and like this video you can subscribe to the podcast just search cinema gold on all major podcast platforms and you can see our social media up here so let us know what you thought we'll see you next time mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino online i was only playing for fun so winning was a dream come true chumba casino was america's favorite free online social casino you too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes absolutely anybody could be like mary be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and play for free now no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.